on ABC Local Radio. You're with Grandstand. Grandstand. Here's the pup. It's a beautiful shot. Fastest horse you ever saw. You're with Grandstand. Your home of live sport all year round. All year round. Another try to the Brumbies. Zach Holmes has scored. Grandstand. 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 Over the 30. That is in pursuit. Here goes Minichillo. He'll score the try. On ABC Local Radio. ABC Local Radio. The Bombers down by a point. Belgium fires and goes. Incredible. ABC.net.au slash grandstand. grandstand. And now live on Grandstand Digital. Grandstand Digital. This is Grandstand around Australia. Around Australia. It's not something you enjoy doing. There's never any credit or uh, positive vibe out of it, mate. They're all this and that meant. I hope they can move on and find a structure and a, a roster around them that individually will fit into and play well. You're with Grandstand. Hello and welcome to another Saturday edition of Cracking the Codes. Debbie Spillane with you for this Saturday, the 8th of June. We're going to be talking all four flavours of footy as usual. The NRL first up with Matt Head, Rugby Union with Adam Fryer. I believe we have Millet Yednak from the Socceroos who'll be chatting to us later on in the hour and we'll talk AFL with Drew Morford who's part of our commentary team today for the GWS match against Geelong at the showgrounds in Sydney. Of course, being State of Origin week, and I was lucky enough to be there with ABC Grandstand to present the pre-match show, I was quite taken by the the atmosphere. It was fabulous. It was it was really exciting and a good-natured sort of crowd, really. The thing that struck me was the, the way the, the Blues supporters at the northern end of the ground were organised beautifully, all wearing blue wigs and blue jumpers and waving blue banners and flags, and it was quite an impressive sight. However, I thought to myself, you know, I had a pretty staid upbringing in terms of football wear. My dad was the sort of person that thought anything, even a beanie or a scarf was outlandish and you'd look like a yahoo at the football. So, you know, I think the the most outrageous I ever got was rosette. They used to sell those at the ground, little thing you pin on your collar in your team's colours. And I think a few times when I was a kid, I took sort of stuffed toys, fluffy toys, and put, you know, red and green ribbons around them uh, if, if I wanted the rabbits to do it, or blue and white if I if I wanted the, uh, well, they weren't the Bulldogs then, Canterbury. Um, so I didn't really sort of get much into the, the football wear. However, I was thinking, you know, at looking around on the other night, so many blue wigs, I wouldn't be seen dead wearing a blue wig. I don't care who I follow. I wouldn't have a blue wig on my head, apart from the the sort of subsequent wig hair that you would suffer after taking the wig off. I wondered what is the craziest thing, silliest thing, weirdest thing you've ever worn to a football match. I'm sure we've got some out there listeners who've worn some strange things. Or I suppose if if you've seen something particularly weird at a football match, love to know. You can uh, SMS 0467 920 You can leave a message on the ABC Grandstand Facebook page where I've already set up a spot for you to make your contributions. Or you can tweet us at ABC Grandstand. Or you 
can tweet me direct at Deb Spillane. Question of the hour for Cracking the Codes today. What's the silliest thing you've worn to a football match? I'm sure there's plenty of scope for uh, you to, to tell us about some of the embarrassing things you've done. Love to hear from you. And in a moment, we'll talk NRL with Matt Head and review last night's win by the Roosters uh, against Parramatta. This is Cracking the Codes with Debbie Spillane. On ABC Local Radio. Online and on digital radio. Sydney Roosters went to second place on the NRL ladder last night with a round 12 win against the Parramatta Eels. It was 38 points to 24. Uh, it was an odd sort of match. The Roosters, who've been so good with their defence throughout the season, really didn't bring their A game in terms of defence. And Parramatta, who've had all sorts of troubles and been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons this week with 12 players apparently told they can pack up their kit bags and find somewhere else to go next season. Uh, They actually gave the Roosters quite a run for their money. Matt Head was the analyst for ABC Grandstand at the game last night and he joins me now. Hi, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Debbie. How's yourself? Good. Now, what happened to the the famed Roosters defence last night? I mean, last time, I was at the game last time the Roosters played Parramatta just several weeks ago and it was 50-0. And yet last night they've let in 24 points. Yeah, Roosters last night weren't at their best, nowhere near it. I think um, they had to have been a little bit complacent, especially when they scored oh, in the first five minutes from an easy try. I think they may have slackened off a bit there, a bit mentally, and um, they just looked to be a little bit out on their feet pretty early within the game as well. So I'm not sure if they've had a hard couple of weeks um, leading into to last night's games, thinking that it may have been a bit of a, an easier game, but they certainly didn't win their A game in defence, but... Um, they never looked like they were going to lose the game of footy. Their class was always better than Paris. When they wanted to put on points, they certainly did. But um, yeah, as we, as you just mentioned, their defence was pretty ordinary, and I'm sure the coach wouldn't, wouldn't have been too happy with that. Yeah, I was uh, curious whether you thought perhaps they've had two weeks off. Can that sometimes bring you back a little lacklustre? Like the oh, well, I mean, I know that Parramatta have had two weeks off as well, but I, I guess some teams can react differently to having that, that uh, two weeks off, depending on how they're handled in the meantime. Yeah, you're certainly right. It can go either way. and it's. Um, but I, as I said in the call last night, it just looked like the Roosters had had a tough couple of weeks, so I don't think they, they took the week off lightly. I think uh, maybe they they saw that at the stage where they were going into para after a bye where they could maybe get some kilometres under their belt again and, and maybe get a lot of fitness into them so they can sort of slacken off over the next few weeks of training and um, get themselves ready to play game day. So as I said last night, I, they look to have gone into that game a little maybe tired or, or something like that, or maybe they just had an off night and um, lucky enough they were, they were playing Parramatta where they knew that they could turn the switch and still get the, get the win. In terms of the players that were backing up from State of Origin, the, the two Roosters playmakers, of course, Pearce and, and Maloney, were backing up. Did did you see any sense from them that they were struggling or were they okay? Yeah, no, I thought they were I thought they were okay and, and, and the same as Jennings. I thought um, Jennings touched the ball a, a lot last night at, at centre and they seemed to have a play where after every kickoff he'd always take the take play too. So I didn't look to, to hear anything um, from the three Roosters that they, they were... Um, tired or anything like that, they put in a good performance. Where on the other hand, Jared Hayne looked a little bit lacklustre, and obviously coming off the bench, there had to be something um, a little worried there. Hopefully, 
he didn't have that hamstring before the game and um, played it to make it a little bit worse. But yeah, the three Roosters, I thought they they come back with a lot of confidence after the the Origin win and, and they played pretty well. Well, I heard Shannon Byrne speaking with uh, Michael Jennings after the match and he admitted he was absolutely exhausted, but as you say, it didn't really seem to uh, show in terms of his performance on the field. I, I just give you an update, by the way, Matt. I've just seen a tweet from Jared Hayne saying that he's got the results of the scan on last night's hamstring injury. He said it's a grade one tear, around the clock recovery to be ready for Origin 2. I'm confident it'll be sweet. So that's directly from Jared Hayne uh, just in the last half hour or so on Twitter. So that's good news for, for New South Wales because particularly with Brett Stewart, I believe he still wouldn't be available if Hayne was out. So it'd be looking around for uh, another fullback. But well, fingers crossed on in terms of Haynes' fitness because it'd be good to put the same two teams back on the park. I'm sh- do you think Queensland will go? I'm, I know I'm diverting here, but do you think Queensland will just back up with the same team barring injury? Oh, I think they've got to. I think they talk every year about how they stick solid and, and all that kind of stuff. And they've got no reason to change. Like, they only lost one game. They were pretty much dominated for 80% of the game and to only get beat by eight points, you'd be probably silly to change your team. Maybe Ben Hennett, if he, if he was to be back being fit, uh, maybe you could probably find a spot for him because he would have been in the game one team uh, if he was fit. So, But I wouldn't imagine them to have many changes. And um, I don't think you'd want to... Queensland would want to put the same team out there so they can uh, try and get some redemption. But um, on the Jared Hayne thing, that's that's great news. If he's got a grade one, it's usually one to two weeks kind of thing. So he's got two and a half weeks, I think it is, to be ready. So I'm sure he'll get a lot of physio and he'll be right and um, be another cracker of a game in Origin 2. OK, well, we'll talk about what's been going on at Parramatta in a moment. But before we move on to that, let's have a listen to what Trent Robinson, the coach of the Roosters, had to say to Shannon Byrne after the match last night. Congratulations on the 14-point win. Um, I guess your assessment, is that a true reflection of how well your team played? Oh, I think it was a reflection of the game, definitely. I think we didn't defend how we like to defend and they scored 24 points. And um, when we stuck to what we do, we, we scored... Um, some nice tries, but um, I think the amount, that amount of points, the amount of penalties, the amount of errors, I think that was a fair indication of the game tonight. We noted that your team looked very tired. You'd come off a bye. Had, had you pushed them really hard at training this week? Um, no, I thought our energy was... We, we pushed hard, like everyone does. We needed to get some stuff done, but to tell you the truth, I thought we actually started with some good energy, and then... Uh, I think we got a bit tight after Parramatta scored. I think you get a bit tight and you start to worry about the result rather than the play or the, the effort that you've got to put in. And and it it cost us a bit of energy there. We didn't run as hard, we didn't tackle as hard, and we, we, we just, yeah, we got a bit, of to- a bit of tightness in our play and we didn't have control of the game after that. And just on, I guess, you, one of your outstanding wingers at the moment, Tupo, he just seems to be going from strength to strength. Is that something about... You know the, the players around him that are lifting him. He's been outstanding for us. He, I thought him and Roger, two of us, Sheck, they really held us together tonight. Two wingers, which I guess is a reflection of the game. But for two young kids to play like they did tonight, with when the structure around him is sort of falling apart a bit, and then they just kept dragging us back in with some nice finisher sets and some nice plays. And um, it's yeah, it was really nice to see. A, um, he's a he's an Auburn kid, uh, Daniel, and come back here and, and play well and play. Control. They were the two most, the two players that played with the most control tonight, and the two youngest wingers. That was Trent Robinson, the Roosters' coach, and they they are 
tremendously reliable, those two wingers, in terms of taking the pressure off their forwards. They, they take a lot of hit-ups from deep inside their own territory, don't they, uh, Matt? Yeah, they certainly do, Debbie. They're two big humans. They're very fast. They've got great feet, and they start their sets off very well for the Roosters. So with them two and Minicello, they've, they've certainly got a, uh, a good back three, and uh, they're playing some good footy, and they, they, they scored some good tries last night, and they're some great talented kids. So it's, it's good to see that... Uh, Robinson sees how good they've been playing. Uh, uh, coaches always notice the little things that players do, and and them two are certainly doing them things and starting their sets off well. So it's uh, happy days for the back three of the Roosters. With the Parramatta side, what did you see as the difference in their performance last night to what we've been seeing from them for most rounds this season so far? Oh, they they certainly tried last night, and, and it's. It's very hard to be critical on people when they try and don't try and all things like that. But they really, they, I thought they really tried everything they could do last last night. They they put in a few little chip kicks. They they sort of thought about their football a little bit more last night. Um, they really had a dig for each other. But in saying that, they did get a lot of help from the Roosters. They Roosters fell back into Parramatta style of play, which is a little bit throw the ball around um, more of more of a style and um, it was a little bit of touch footy at times, but. Yeah, I just thought Parramatta turned up last night with a, a bit better attitude that they really wanted to have a dig for each other. And uh, maybe they needed a little bit of a kick up the arm, some of them, um, through the week. And, and to know that, yeah, you've got your contract, but um, after this year, you might not have one. So you've got to like really pull your finger out. And um, if you're not going to be with us, well, you need, you need to pull your finger out because you need another club to find you. Tim, sum up your thoughts on the game. Um, I thought the effort was really there. Um, yeah, it's obviously been a tough week at our club, but I thought the boys showed a lot of courage and a lot of... Um, character to come out and play the way they did. You know, obviously it's a quality side in the Roosters and I thought they really dug deep tonight. An impressive, probably the, the score, the 14 point margin, not reflective in terms of the last five minutes they just piled on some easy points. Yeah, definitely. I thought we were definitely in fight the whole game. Um, you know, we weren't far off and, you know, it, it hurts to, you know, get the loss, but we're just going to keep chipping away as a club. You know, we're definitely in a rebuilding phase and it's just a matter of, you know, just staying patient and working hard and hopefully we'll start getting more results that these fans can be proud of. I guess, was that the focus? Is this to come out with a more spirited effort? Because it seems that, you know, Ricky Stewart at Presses has just been, you know, not happy with the performance or the effort that's been put in. Yeah, I think it was just individually, guys need to take a bit of accountability, a bit of ownership in their own performances. And I think a lot of people, pretty much everyone in the team did that tonight. And you know, I think it's definitely a positive step. And, you know, we're not riding this season off at all. You know, we're going to turn up every week, playing our best footy and hopefully playing footy that our fans can be proud of. That was Shannon Byrne speaking with Tim Manor after last night's loss for Parramatta against the Roosters. But uh, as you can hear, there was a bit of encouragement in terms of Eels' performance last night. Matt Head, who was at the game with ABC Grandstand last night as our expert commentator, is with me on the line. Um, now, Matt, what do you think that Parramatta need to to do? Like, I mean, where are they? do you just see it as, as a... A roster that's weak. A lot of people are just saying they just don't have the cattle. Is is that how you see it? Yeah, it certainly is. Unfortunately, um, a lot a lot of their players are young. So um, to say that their roster is not as good as others, it, it is it is true. Um, to say that they they won't be, well, we don't know that. There's a lot of young players, a lot of very inconsistent week in week out, just because they're not used to what the NRL has to offer. So. Um, they're certainly going to be a better club in years to come. It's just everyone's got to stay patient with them. Um, folks like Tim Manor need to stay at the club. And a guy like Rennie Matua, that's what I'm the most surprised at, that he's been tapped on the shoulder because he's a player that I thought has been outstanding for the club. Um, he's a player that the the younger guys would look up to um, and he can play for another couple of years. So 
um, they've just got to stay patient, try and help these kids become better footballers, and um, maybe you know, in a couple of years after Ricky Stewart's done what he's need to do, maybe they'll come out the other side, hopefully, for the para fans sooner rather than later. Well, it's been a week where there's been a lot of talk about on-field stouches, and there was one last night. I was listening to some of your comments, and, and you know, it's something that I've been banging on about for a while as well, that there's no use of the sin bin in these situations. And, and yet last night there was a period of the game where things were getting out of hand, and putting a couple of blokes on the sideline to cool off for five or ten minutes, I reckon, would have been a handy thing. You, you say you'd like to see a five-minute sin bin reintroduced. Yeah, I think we need to because, it's as um, we mentioned last night, 10 minutes in the bin, it's too long. Um, and, and so many points can get scored in that 10 minutes. That's why the refs don't use it. And I just thought after that little bit of a fight last night, it, and it sort of erupted again not long after. And it's I suppose I'm a little bit biased because I've been coaching at junior rep levels that that's what happens in junior reps when the refs don't send a, a kid off or, or put him in the bin and it just erupts. And... I thought that happened last night. Um, the good thing for Origin, obviously, it didn't happen because they're all super players and, and realise what's at stake if they did go to the bin. But, yeah, just last night, I just thought it was a good stage where, um, obviously, who, Boy Corner, who started the fight, could have went to the bin and then Fui for running in could have went in the bin. But five minutes is long enough. So um, I don't know if the NRL or the refs or anyone are looking at that kind of a rule. But, yeah, they just don't use the 10 minutes. So, um, as I said, it's too long in the bin. So that's why they don't use it. Yeah, well, I think we did mention this to, with Daniel Anderson once in, in a conversation recently, and, and I think he said that there wasn't any thought of bringing in the five-minute bin penalty again. But in any case, I just think it, it could. Sometimes you can avert those kinds of all-in melees that happened last night because and because you can see them building up sometimes. People are getting square. and But uh, I've got an interesting SMS from Dasher at Mount Morgan. He says, did you notice Fui bumped into the ref to get into a blue and not a thing was said or done? What's going on? Yeah, well, I didn't see that. But I did see Fui run in for a bit, and um, usually that's the boat that they usually send the, the third man in. So Fui, I think, was very lucky not to go. And um, But again, it was just one of them things that I didn't even know why or how it started. It was sort of a nothing event, and it was just that, I think Boyd Cordner wanted to throw a few and Philly wanted to come out and help his mate. So, um, but it was the next run after it where it nearly, it nearly, nearly escalated, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's one of them things if they had have been put in the bin, it would have been settled a lot, a lot quicker. Okay, well, uh, we've only got the one game that we're broadcasting live on local radio across New South Wales, Queensland and the ACT today, and that's Newcastle Knights against St George Illawarra Dragons from the Hunter Stadium. Just a, a quick thought, who are you tipping there? Because these are two teams that are really hard to predict how they're going to play each week, aren't they? Yeah, they certainly are, and it's very it's very weird to, to, for us to mention it like that because a, a Wayne Bennett coach team, you usually know what they're going to they're gonna dish up week in, week out, and... And the Dragons have been a bit like that since Wayne was at the club. So they're two teams that you wouldn't put unpredictability um, next to their name, but they certainly are. And um, I think uh, it's going to be a tough one. I, I, I think Newcastle at home, they're, they're going to have the edge a little bit, but it all comes down to if Josh Dugan has a blind, oh, well, anything could happen for the Dragons. So it'll be a very tight one. Hopefully it's a good game of footy, but I would think Newcastle in a tight one. And North Queensland Cowboys, Canterbury Bulldogs, they're playing the 7.30 kickoff game. You'll only be getting that one on local radio if you're in North Queensland because everyone else is taking the British Lions match, tour match against Queensland Reds in the rugby. But uh, just two teams that 
have really underachieved uh, according to their expectations this year, the Cowboys and the Bulldogs. Can you see the Cowboys finally sorting themselves out? I don't think so. I think um, they certainly are underachieving. And the Dogs obviously didn't get off to the start that they would have thought they could have, but they've, they've strung some wins together of late and um, playing some decent football. So um, I would imagine that the Dogs would go up there and win that quite easy with Jonathan Thurston. Um, I'm not sure if he'd be playing with his injury or, or things like that. So um, you wouldn't imagine the Cowboys to, to get the victory, but in rugby league, it's when you don't when you count the team out that they usually come up with it. So I think the coach is under pressure. So they might come out and put in a good performance, but I can't see him beating the dogs. Mm, be interesting to see whether Thurston backs up from a pretty underwhelming performance in origin the other night, but obviously carrying injury. Matt Head, thanks for chatting to us on Cracking the Codes, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week probably. Cheers, Debbie. I'll see you then. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Catherine Britt with you this week for another Saturday Night Country. I've got some boys joining me in the studio this week. Luke Austin, Liam Brew and Luke Dickens will be talking about their Turn the Page tour in this week's Getting to Know. Dad will be here with the kitchen sessions again whilst dinner is cooking with some great music. And Johnny Taylor will be my very special guest in the new release hour. Catch you then. Saturday Night Country with Catherine Britt on ABC Local Radio. This is Cracking the Codes with Debbie Spillane on ABC Local Radio, online and on digital radio. Nick's cab off the Cracking the Codes rank is Rugby Union and there was a a big and very significant win for the ACT Brumbies last night against the Rebels in Canberra. They got up 39 to 17 and that means that they have qualified for the finals for the first time since 2004. Adam Fryer was one of our commentators at the game last night and he joins me on the line now. Hi Adam, how are you? Afternoon, Debbie. How are you? Fine. Now, I guess from your point of view, with your connection with the Rebels, you might not have enjoyed the game as much as some of our Canberra listeners would have. Oh, no. Look, that's fine. And look, for Australian teams to do well, I certainly endorse that, and I want the Brumbies to succeed. And they did win the game. They got the bonus point, which assures them of a home final, a home semi at least. And they could finish minor premiers as well. So with that being said, if a sporting team like well, ACT Brumbies in Canberra, you get two home finals. It's a significant earn as well for the club. So they'll only build on that. And I really do think that this year the Brumbies are the real deal. Last night they showed at the breakdown, they were just prolific. They were just so much better than the Rebels at the breakdown. It really paid in the end. And uh, some of their players, I don't think they'll make the Lions squad in this uh, extended squad, which will be named soon. But I do think they'll be wearing gold jerseys very soon. And that being Jesse Mogg, he was outstanding. Matt Tanua, again last night. Those young kids and the young crew that Jake White's put together there in Canberra is certainly one on the rise and one I think will stay there for a long time. Even though the score looks reasonably lopsided, 39-17, to 17, in some senses, reading some of the comments about the game and looking at some of the stats, it, it probably flatters Melbourne Rebels a little bit. Well, they did. Well, Brumby certainly dominated the game and there was only a one runaway try at the end. But look, with Rugby Union in particular, if you don't capitalise on momentum, especially if you're dominating in that half or if you're peppering the opposition line and you don't come away with points, it almost has a reverse effect. Now, the Rebels only got three points in the first half. They needed to get more uh, because they did dominate the game. It was only about 13-3 at half time, and you would think that the Rebels could get away with this and they could come out of it. But every time they went down that 22, players like Henry Spate were just putting on these massive hits and coming up with the ball, and the, the Rebels just couldn't capitalise all, all that momentum, and it really hurt them in the end. And they just ran out of juice. The last 20 minutes... 
the Brumbies just ran away with it. And uh, look, I, as I said at the top of the call, I really think this Brumbies outfit, with all the players they had out, Stephen Moore, Ben, ben Moen, uh, Leah Leofana, uh, their players that have been probably their best this year. And Nick White only lasted eight minutes. Well, Nick White looks like he's uh, got a shoulder injury, which I'm a little bit concerned about. Every time they say it's a stinger uh, with uh, these types of shoulders, it's usually leading to bad news. I hope he's okay, the 22-year-old. He was the youngest ever Brumbies captain, uh, and he only lasted yeah, just under 10 minutes. A sensational player, and will play Wallabies football a lot more moving forward. Some of the, the stats that I was looking at this morning, the Brumbies, 12 line breaks to Melbourne's one, and uh, the, the Brumbies ran 755 metres to 292 from uh, the Rebels. So I'm not surprised the Rebels were a bit tight at the end. They certainly were, and there was a lot of kicking in the game as well. And I think you're watching the Brumbies play, and I was just listening to a few of the players before that being the Rebels players. They're just such an intelligent outfit, and they're very well coached. Stephen Larkin's got them. You know, he's really fine. So Jake White gets all the raps, but Stephen does a lot of coaching. And Laurie Fisher, their assistant. So they are just a really smart and uh, well-structured club at the moment. But uh, their kicking duel and their kicking game from Jesse Mogg was simply outstanding. And look, this young Rebel side have got a lot to prove as well. They're a, a young outfit. Uh, they have on their fifth string, 5-8 for the game. Uh, but that's no excuse. We're talking about the depth here of, uh, of footy here in Melbourne. It is growing, and all these young kids are starting to learn. And Kevin Sheedy... Uh, once said uh, in the greater uh, Western Sydney, his giants that his team aren't losing, they're just learning how to win. And I think that adapts too with, uh, with also the Rebels. Let's listen to what Jake White, the coach of the Brumbies, had to say um, after the match last night. He spoke to Grandstand's Tim Gore. Jake White, it must be quite satisfying uh, getting your side into the finals for the first time. It is, it is. I mean, uh, to win the conference, I think, I mean, I know we're jumping the gun, but you'd like to believe that it's not going to happen that the Waratahs are going to lose by 100 points to uh, to the Reds. So, yeah, I mean, that's our first prize was always to win the conference. And now that we're in the playoffs, obviously, we've just got to hope for some other results and get a good result against the force and hopefully you get a home semi as well. You are aware that the Waratahs did lose to the Crusaders once by 97 points. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware of that, but it'll have to be over 100 now. So that's OK, you know. All right, very good. Uh, the boys played very well tonight. The depth of the bench really shone tonight against the Rebels. Yeah, look, I think that's the, the, the most pleasing thing tonight. It's not just the result. It's about the fact that we've, you know, we had lost a couple of Wallabies and we lost Nick in the first five minutes and then you know, everyone that came in stepped up. So, you know, just as a club, you've got to be, you know, got to be really, obviously, I think you've got to be really sort of excited about the future of the club because when you get guys like Ruan Smith and, you know, Saliva and those young boys that are all sort of literally 21, 22 years old. I mean, there's obviously a bright future for Brumbies. So you're going to enjoy the break before you come back to the force? I am. I'm going to enjoy the break. And we've got the Lions in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, but the first job's been done to win the, win the conference and get into the playoffs. Jake White speaking with Grandstand's Tim Gore after the win last night. How, that, that will be an interesting match to have a look at. The Brumbies, our top team in Australia, taking on the, uh, the British and Irish Lions. Uh, it will be an interesting match. It was 12 years ago, almost to the day, where the Brumbies were in the lead with only minutes to go, and Austin Healy ran down the sideline. I remember Justin Harrison, waved, well, he waved his finger at Justin Harrison, really hamming it up over the try line. So Justin Harrison's remembered for that great line-out still in the line-out series. But the look in his eyes when he lost that game right at the bell there, there's a bit of, uh, there's a bit of history between the Lions and the Brumbies. I think it'll be a great game, and it's great to see the Lions out here, and it's really a festival of rugby across... Uh, the whole country. And it's the interstate games that I'm finding most interesting, Deb, because um, you see these young players coming in. I think Canberra or the ACT are going to pick some of their local players to sit on the bench and, and learn about the experience. So it's going to be a, a really good opportunity for the Brumbies and the Rebels and, of course, Queensland tonight with Quade Cooper leading out the Reds. 
What do you make of the Quade Cooper situation? I, I've heard quite a few people interviewed over the last few days and it is uh, sort of the hot topic about uh, tonight's performance. Do you think he has any chance of forcing his way into the Wallabies for the, the, the matches against the British Lions tonight or is he just too hot and cold to, to really convince with one game? It's an interesting one to look at, and, and I, I bring it all the way back to the start where you and Mackenzie really rallied behind Quaid and really made it about Quaid being picked in the Wallabies. And that's had two different sort of side effects where now it's, it has been all about Quaid and there's a lot of pressure on Quaid. And he hasn't played well since. He played okay against the Rebels. He played really well around the park. He had a pretty uh, interesting night with the boot. But look, I, I think it has become about Quaid and not the Reds. And now all the comms coming out of Quaid are saying, it's about this red jersey, not the gold one. So it's sort of spiralled out of control. Is he good enough to play for the Wallabies against the Lions? Absolutely. He's a sensational player. Will he get picked? That's another question. At the moment, James O'Connell looks like he's going to be wearing that number 10 jersey. And it, and it sounds as though Curly Beal may be his backup. He might be picked at 15 and might slot into 10 if needed. So is Robbie Dan's going to carry three 10s? I don't think so. But uh, that's not to say that I don't think Quaid will ever play for Australia again. Just this point in time, I think Robbie's looking at a different game plan and looking at one with without a lot of risk. And um, James O'Connor's a very sound defender, as Curtly is at ten as well. I just think they might just run out of numbers for Quaid, but uh, hoping he'll be uh, he'll bounce back and play well for the Reds tonight. But it is all about Quaid versus the Lions, where it should be about the Reds you know, up against you know a full packed Wayne Park uh, watching a rugby match is a beautiful thing. That's what it should be about. And this is really the first chance to give a serious test to this British Lions outfit, isn't it? Because Western Force not having fielded a strong side and and the Barbarians in Hong Kong obviously weren't uh, too crash hot either. So do you think this will be the first indication of how much they're bringing to this series, the Lions? Yeah, and without a doubt. And look, there's uh, I think over half the team have got Wallaby experience in this red side. But look, with Michael Foley and him selecting that team, I think any coach across Super Rugby would have had to have done the same thing. It was just unfortunate. They played on a Tuesday and then they had another game this weekend. It's usually the other way around. Everyone's got their Lions matches here with a three-week break. So, look, I know Michael Foley's copped a lot of flack, especially overseas. I don't think it's warranted. I would certainly suggest that any coach in Super Rugby, if they were to play a big game like they are against the Waratahs, and, you know, there's positions on the line. There's also... KPIs, to, he needs to beat those Waratahs, and I think they're probably going to do that uh, tonight. The Western Force have fielded a very strong side where the Waratahs have been absolutely decimated because of Wallaby selection and injury. So, uh, uh, really interesting time and really interesting timing of this whole tour where Super Rugby's put on hold. But the people at the IRB, I don't think they really, I wouldn't say they don't care about Super Rugby and Sansa, but the priority is to make sure as many eyeballs are watching this game over in Europe and Australia. So Super Rugby has to sort of take a, a sidestep and with only one round to go. It's really interesting times, but I think the force will, will get up over the cars tonight. Okay, well, the uh, in terms of, I don't know about eyeballs, but there's certainly plenty of opportunities for eardrums to be across this Lions Tour match tonight from uh, Lang Park. We will be broadcasting it on local radio through most of New South Wales and Queensland. Starts at 7.30. Quentin Hull, Sam Cordingley and Luke Pentony will be on our commentary team tonight. So don't forget to tune in if, uh, if you want to hear how the Lions go with their first serious test of this tour. And thanks very much, Adam Fryer, for talking to us today on Cracking the Codes. Thanks, Deb. Bye. 
Always wanted to master photographic portraiture? Here's your chance. Get involved in ABC Open's Snapped Project and get snapping. June's theme is faces, big and bold portrait photography with the emphasis on capturing the essence of a person, their personality, look or expression. To contribute your photo or get great portrait photography tips, go to abc.net.au slash opensnapped and get involved. Whatever it takes, you gotta move on. Whatever it takes. This is Cracking the Codes with Debbie Spillane on ABC Local Radio, online and on Grandstand Digital. Getting some interesting contributions or, or confessions, we might call them. What's the silliest thing you've ever worn to a football match? You can uh, SMS 0467920222. You can uh, send us a tweet at ABC Grandstand or you can leave a message on the ABC Grandstand Facebook page. I will read out some of the contributions shortly, but got a very important guest on the line. I don't want to keep him waiting any longer. The Socceroo Mille Yedinak is uh, on the line for us uh, from Melbourne where the team are, of course, preparing for their match on Tuesday night, a World Cup qualifier against Jordan. Hello, Mille. Hello, how are you doing? Oh, very well, thank you. Very excited after the performance in Japan the other night, but I guess you've got two things to, to be excited about. Firstly, congratulations on leading Crystal Palace into Premier League promotion. Yeah, thanks. It was, uh, yeah, like I said, a massive achievement. Um, don't think it's quite sunk in as as much as probably what I would have thought it had, but um, yeah, like I said, over the moon with that and uh, yeah, really looking forward to the next couple of games ahead for the Socceroos as well. Well, you weren't able to, to play in the match the other night after flying over from the UK and getting to Japan. You you were injured, so what was the problem the other night and how is it now? Uh, yeah, I, had, I went over on the ankle in the playoff final, so um, you know, with, with the travelling and stuff, it didn't really settle down in time. Um, I think the game against Japan probably came a couple of days too early for me. Um, but like I said, I've had a few days now in Melbourne, got some good training under the belt and uh, like I said, ready, raring to go actually. So uh, yeah, hopefully I, you know, I'll put myself in, put my hand up for selection, definitely. Given the pressure involved in those playoffs to, to, for promotion into the Premier League, do you feel that you've sort of uh, reached a, a, a new level of being able to handle pressure? How did, how did it compare, for instance, to those kinds of um, crucial Socceroos matches in the past? Yeah, look, I think having the experience of playing in some of those uh, Socceroos games in the past has really helped me um, in the playoffs for, for, for Crystal Palace and you know, having that little bit of experience, able to, to pass that knowledge on to some of the younger boys who, who hadn't experienced it before. So, yeah, look, it, it, it's put me definitely in good stead, um, you know, even for these next two games, just going through all that emotion and, and all, the, all the things you have to deal with in, 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 those, in those big games um, definitely makes you, makes you more aware of, of things and, and, you know, a little bit calmer and cooler when it, when it matters most. So tell us about the atmosphere in camp in Melbourne as you prepare for this Jordan game. Yeah, atmosphere is, um, I think everyone's really happy with the way things have been going. You know, we got into Melbourne a few days ago. Um, you know, people have recovered, I believe, from the game and all the boys are, you know, looking to put their best foot forward and, and in preparation for, for the Jordan game on Tuesday. What are you expecting in terms of there's been a lot of talk about what kind of approach Jordan will take and, of course, 
we lost to Jordan uh, in Amman, uh, which was probably one of the, the disappointing results of, of this campaign. You ex- expecting them to play a different kind of game as an away game? Yeah, I mean, you know, you expect them to have, you know, to give us a, definitely a, a diff, they'll be difficult opponents. Um, what their tactics are, you know, they probably will, being away from home, they probably will um, sit, you know, sit a little bit more back and, and, and let us have, uh, you know, a bit more possession. But that remains to be seen and, and you know, hopefully we'll have the, the answers to, uh, to nullify all that and, and get the result that we need. Your replacement, Mark Milligan, played very well against Japan the other night. How do you how do you think Holger will decide which one of you takes the field or are there other options? Is it definitely UV Milligan or what's the what's the lay of the land in that um, um look I don't really you know, I thought the boys did partic- everyone did um, particularly well on on uh, on Tuesday against Japan and, and Mills he had a fantastic game. Um what the boss decides to do now is up to him. Um all we can do is just keep training hard and you know, I'm sure whatever which way it goes, um, the other person or whoever's missed out is going to be right behind it and uh, right behind the other guy in, in, in getting us over the line. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you know that's me not starting or whatever it is, then, you know, you play your part and hopefully you can play some part and, and add your influence like that. I guess you'd have added incentive to, to want to get into this game if you can because, uh, sorry to remind you, but I think it was you that gave away the, the penalty in that defeat to Jordan Inaman. Do you have nightmares about that? Not really, to be honest with you. To be honest, I still think it wasn't a penalty. Um, It was quite soft. But, look, that's happened now. I think uh, you start dwelling on things like that and, you know, it can affect you. But, you know, I've been, you know, know, old enough now to realise that you don't dwell on things too many, you know, and you don't look back too many, you know, especially if you want to push on. And, uh, yeah, look, I forgot about that as soon as it happened, to be honest with you. So... Yeah, I'm sure you'd like a chance to uh, to. Uh, it'd, be good to it'd be good to get it. It'd be good to just to be part of it, you know. Yeah. After the performance on Tuesday, just to, to 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 get ready and and to really have a go at them. What was it like as a squad member watching that game the other night when when you knew you couldn't be a part of it? What are you like as a spectator? Do you find it harder watching than playing? Um, normally, I'm yeah, I'm not the best of spectators, but I thought the other night I was. It was um. Just seeing the way that the boys were and 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 having uh, full faith in them and to do the job and and to get the job done was, you know, they put me at ease pretty much straight away and uh, we were surrounded by by Japanese supporters and uh, we we got up every now and then but it was um you know to to vent our anger at a decision or whatever it was but no I thought the I thought I, I thought I handled myself pretty well in that. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it was pretty stressful, particularly uh, right at the end. Um, you you have got a deal for to stay with Crystal Palace next year, haven't you? Yeah, I've got another year um, left on my contract. That's right. Okay, um, Alex Brosk. We spoke to him last week, and uh, he wasn't available the uh, for the Tuesday night game either because of injury. Do you know what his condition is at the moment? Um. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure what's going on with Alex. He's. Uh, I think he's been joining in. He's been easing with the group um, at the moment. So I think he's just going to take it day by day and see see how see how it's progressing. All right. Well, we'll let you uh, get back to uh, what, what's on the agenda for today. Oh, we've got lunch in about ten minutes. Okay. Well, can't can't let you be late for lunch.
Yeah, definitely not. I don't want to be paying any fines while I'm in camp. <laughs> All right. Well, Mille, congratulations again on your performances with Crystal Palace. I believe you were named their player of the year as well or player of the season. So that's fantastic. And uh, fingers crossed you get a look in for, with the Socceroos against Jordan on Tuesday night. Thanks, Debbie. Appreciate it. No worries. Mille Yednak from Crystal Palace, and he's in camp with the Socceroos. Uh, missed out getting a start on Tuesday night because of injury, but uh, may well find himself back in the lineup for this Tuesday night's match in Melbourne. It's being played at Docklands, and I should let you know that. Uh, it's a 7pm kickoff, so it's quite an early start. It'll be available on local radio in Queensland, but if you want to listen to it in New South Wales or the ACT, you'll have to tune in via the internet. There will be coverage of the match. Francis Leach and Steve Horvat will be calling the action. Local radio for you if you're in Queensland or tune in to the internet if you want to hear live broadcast in New South Wales and the ACT. We're going to be talking AFL very shortly and uh, also we've got a little bit of Jim Maxwell to bring you. Actually, I should point out that there's a story that I was going to mention when we were talking NRL a bit earlier. Matt Moylan won't be available to play for Penrith tomorrow. Now, this is developing into quite an interesting story, and I'm sure you'll hear more about it. But just to let you know what the basis of the story is, apparently they the Panthers have broken their second-tier salary cap. Or So if they've been told that if they play Matt Moylan, the young fullback, tomorrow, that they will be fined. Now, there's uh, an article being put up on the Sydney Morning Herald website. There's apparently some doubt about Travis Robinson as well, another young, talented Panther. He may not be available either because of this second-tier salary cap restriction. Uh, Gus Gould has tweeted uh, and confirmed that there is a problem. He says playing him will incur a fine and loss of competition points, and he has flagged that he's written about the situation for the Sun-Herald tomorrow. So Matt Moylan definitely not playing for Penrith tomorrow because of salary cap restrictions, not the top team, but the second-tier salary cap. And uh, there are some doubts about Travis Robinson for the same reasons. More about that, I'm sure, as the day goes on. Right now, you don't know the colour of my hair, my eyes or my skin. You don't know whether I'm short or tall. But I'll give you a clue. I'm a well-known sportsman. Sport should be about being equal, regardless of your skin colour or where you come from. You see, sport is for everyone. That's why it's so important to treat everyone with respect. To keep your sport inclusive, safe and fair, go to playbytherules.net.au. By the way, I'm Adam Goods from the Sydney Swans and I'm Indigenous. Not that that matters. You with Debbie Spillane on Cracking the Codes. I've uh, been reading some of your answers. What's the silliest thing you've worn to a football match? I was just sort of inspired to this question by looking at all the people wearing blue wigs on Wednesday night. I do, I do like the New South Wales State of Origin team, but I'm not wearing a blue wig. But I'm sure there are lots, obviously there were lots of people who did. And I wanted to know what's the silliest thing you've worn to a football game. Katie has tweeted to say a Collingwood Guernsey vertical black and white stripe leggings, horizontal black and white striped knee-high socks. That that would have created a very nice picture, that one, Katie. Uh, Collingwood Guernsey with vertical black and white striped leggings, horizontal black and white striped knee-high socks. Bill Quinn says, a uh, late 70s cold snap in Sydney. I had to wear a para jumper to an Eels versus Magpies match at Cumberland, and I'm a, a Magpies supporter. 
that is pretty silly. But then again, being cold probably would have been sillier. And Warren Hughes says, I was meeting my footy team at the last Lang Park State of Origin. They'd been there since the opening. I was going to be late. I wore these bright orange overalls, walked down the fence at the northern end, holding my team's footy jersey above my head. Took me two minutes to find find them all thanks to the roar of the crowd. If you've got something particularly silly you've worn to a football match, you can tweet us at ABC Grandstand. You can leave a message on the ABC Grandstand Facebook page or you can SMS 0467 920 Going to be talking AFL in a moment. This is Cracking the Codes with Debbie Spillane. Last night, it was a thrilling finish to the Friday night match in front of a massive crowd at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Essendon defeated Carlton 77-72, coming from uh, well behind late to just snatch victory at the death. The game was significant very much well, for lots of reasons because both teams are considered premiership contenders but for the bombers it was the debut of a 19 year old son of a famous ex bomber joe danaher is the son of anthony danaher and also the nephew of terry danaher and after the match he spoke to adam white it was really amazing to be a part of uh, uh, not only such a great football club but such a great environment out there against the carlton football club and uh, you know to get away with a win is you know, I can't put into words how much this means to me and uh, you know, how much of a childhood dream this has been. Now, as an Essendon supporter, you've been to the MCG, you've cheered on your brother, you've cheered on a number of friends before you got to the football club that played for Essendon. What's the noise like on the other side of the fence in a close finish? Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to explain. I mean, you can, you can imagine how it is when you're in the stands, but when you're out there, it, it really is deafening and... Um, you know, I was getting a little bit worried there in the last last few minutes, but um, you know, we're just really lucky to get away with the win tonight. Can I ask you? You're getting into some really good positions, and you had good defenders on you. Most of the night it was Henderson. Some of the time it was uh, well, Jamison had a go at times as well. How did you find the difference from the football that you've played to be out there in the fire of a home and away game? Yeah, for me, it's great to play on uh, good players like Lockie Henderson and uh, Michael Jamison, and. And it's just another step in my development, um, you know, to, to play on such great players is, uh, is huge for my learning. And uh, tonight, you know, I'll just develop tenfold and, um, you know, I'll take a lot out of it. And, and Monday morning I'll be able to go through the tape and uh, really take a few things out of their games and, um, you know, just take another step forward. Joe Danaher speaking to Adam White from ABC Grandstand. Drew Morford, who was commentator on that game, has uh, been moving around the country. He was there last night. He's in Sydney for the GWS versus Geelong match at the showgrounds in Sydney later today. Hi, Drew. How are you? Hi, Debbie. Well, thanks. Firstly... Night last night, last night. Yeah. 2000, I think there'll be a few less here today, but a terrific atmosphere last night. Unbelievable that the Bombers got up because they've beaten in most facets of the game from inside 50s to clearances and contested possessions and everything everything else you'd like to add up. But somehow the Bombers got up and won the game. Joe Danaher sounds like a, a very level-headed young man. Impressive uh, debut performance too, I gather. Well, for a 19-year-old, he was absolutely superb. And the interview after the game, and calling David Parkin, David, you so often get these kids who say, yes, Mr Parkin. No, no, <laughs> he's, he's been well-versed in media skills and he's, of course, grown up with football all around him. His brother played league football. His father played league football. His three uncles were champions. So uh, there's a lot of uh, football in the Danaher family. Certainly. Uh, today, GWS against Geelong. I, mean, uh, I hate to say it, but you could be ugly, couldn't it, if Geelong hit their straps against the Giants? It could be ugly. The Cats are second on the ladder. 
having lost just one game in 10 rounds. The Giants haven't won at all. And there's worse news for the Giants today because Dean Brogan has injured himself in the rooms in the warm-up. So he's a late exclusion. And they've had to bring in a bloke uh, named Aidan Kaur, who's a 19-year-old from the Northern Knights. So Brogan out, Kaur in. And there's another change for the Giants. Toby Green, who was fantastic for them last year and the runner-up in the best and fairest in his first year as a teenager, he is also out of the lineup, replaced by Sam Reed. So two changes for the Giants. Uh, neither of them good for the side, I would have to say. Geelong go in as selected, and they're a mighty team. They've got premiership players right down every line, the Cats, and you would think that they'd be having a good win against the Giants today. Yeah, um, three-digit uh, three margin, perhaps? Well, it probably will be, because uh, the last three games, the Giants have lost by an average of over 100. It was 135 against Adelaide, 100 against West Coast, 94 against Carlton, 83 against Hawthorne. So against the mighty Cats, uh, I would say the Cats would be putting them away. Mind you, they came in, uh, they might have taken their foot off the gas just a little bit. Harry Taylor has been allowed to go back to Perth and have a bit of a holiday, which is interesting because he's a West Australian and there's been a bit of talk that he might be snapped up by either the Eagles or Fremantle. So fancy him going to Perth for a holiday. Uh, interesting that the Cats might allow him to do that, but he's got a young family. He's got to look after himself, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, look forward to the commentary this afternoon. Drew Morfitt, Russell Barwick, Ty Kennelly, Craig Bolton and Shannon Byrne on the boundary. You'll be able to tune into that match in Sydney through News Radio. If you're listening in Queensland or the ACT, you'll get that match on local radio and uh, heading off to it immediately, Canberra, after the news that's coming up at 1 o'clock in Queensland. You've got Queensland Sports Extra with Zane Bojack and... Uh, in Sydney, you've got Hens FC, another great panel coming in. I think it's going to be pretty fiery today. Melinda Farrell, Karen Greger and Amanda Shalala talking origin, socceroos and plenty more. I'm, um, by the way, my best entry on the uh, silliest thing worn to a football match, uh, SMS, my husband touring the Manila Rugby Tens wore a black and white spotted sarong complete with a dog tail. That's definitely the best answer.